0: charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship.
1: This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of On The Market. Today, we're going to be talking all about the state of the housing market. Our expert panel is going to be sharing stories about what they're seeing in their individual markets. We'll be diving into the broad economy and what is happening on the housing market as a whole. Let's jump into it. Welcome, my friends, to this episode of On the Market. Thank you all so much for joining us today. I have my expert panel and friends with me today. Mr. James Daynard, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? All is well. Thank you. Kathy Fecky coming to us from California. How are you, Kathy?
2: Doing great. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you. And Henry from his new
3: office in Arkansas, what's going on? What's up, buddy? Yeah, don't mind the construction happening in here. No big deal. We'll be fine.
0: (laughs) That looks like a nice new spot. So, we are actually going to do something a little bit different today. So, the theme of our episode is going to be a market recap. And if you've been listening to On the Market over the last couple of weeks, you know that normally at the top of the show, we sort of do a market recap. It's called Between the Headlines. I read some headlines and we get some reactions. But since we're going to be talking a lot about the most recent housing market data, news information about the economy for the majority of this episode, For the beginning, I want to get some local headlines. So from each of our panelists, I would like to get a story that best characterizes and demonstrates what you are seeing right now in the housing market. So Henry, let's start with you. What do you got for us? What are you seeing down there in Northwest Arkansas that you want to share with everyone?
3: The housing market is slowing down a little bit. That's for sure. There are less offers coming in. Uh, on houses, but still, I just talk to my real estate agents who are the super smart people, and then I just get to tell people what they said and sound smart. So the <laughs> so my real estate agents who do all my listings, what we were just talking about is the housing market is there's more houses on the market now than there was a year ago. So there was about 500 and uh, 500 or so a year after 2020. And now there's about 615. So that's gone up. But to supply the demand, to fill the demand that we have for housing, we need to be at about four to 5,000 houses, right? So supply is still very low compared to demand. And what we're seeing is I've got a house that was listed right before the first uh, interest rate hike uh, a a couple of months ago, right? And so Um, we had got all the way to closing and then the buyers backed out. So we had to stick it back on the market, but with new higher interest rates. And so pre, uh, interest rates going up, we had that house listed. It was maybe on the market for three or four days and we had five, six offers. Right. And it was pretty quick. It's a, it's a higher priced home than the average home here in Northwest Arkansas. So we didn't get the 20 offers that we would get on a lower priced home, but we got about five or six. So we picked the one didn't get to closing, relisted it and it took us maybe it's been on the market for about just under 2 weeks and we got an offer. But we got a solid offer. Right, and to put that in perspective, the house when I bought it, we planned to sell it for 275, right? But because the market was on fire, we ended up actually listing it for 310 and the offer we accepted originally was 315 that didn't close. And so we went ahead and relisted it back at 315 and we got an offer for 300. And so like, if I were to record that as a statistic, statistics would say, I got an offer under asking price, right? And then everybody would say, Oh, the offers are down there and people aren't getting asking price anymore. But I was aggressive in my listing. I listed it above the 275 that we planned on selling it for when i originally bought it and ended up getting an offer at 300. so i'm still 25 over where we were shooting for which is amazing. So things are slowing down a little bit. There are less offers on homes, and I think that's due to rising interest rates and people being priced out. Some of the market being priced out of buying because that's what happened with the seller. Um, they the bank basically told them they couldn't afford the home. I guess their interest rate was unlocked. I'm not quite sure the, the full situation, but they backed out because the bank their lender said we don't think you can afford this. So we're seeing some of those people get priced out, but we're still getting offers. They're just taking a little longer to sell. And James and I talked about this off air, right? Like, we're still getting. Multiple offers and it's sitting on the market for two weeks. That's not a long time on the market. Like we're just spoiled. <laughs> we're spoiled. We're used to putting a house on the market and in two hours you got, you know, seven cash offers and it's just not the norm, right? We were, we got spoiled for a while and now it's slowing down a little bit, but it's still, still very, very low supply compared to the demand.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great story for you. I'm glad to hear that you were still able to sell it for what over what you had originally underwritten it for. That brings up a good point about data analysis in today's day and age that I just want to make a point of. In a shifting market right now, for everyone listening to this, you might start hearing some statistics like inventory is up 20%. That's about what Henry just said. It was at 500, it's now at 615. That's a 20% increase in inventory. But if you look at what you're comparing it to 2022 to 2021, you have to consider that 2021 was all time low inventory. So a 20% growth from where we were last year relative to the historical context, it's still really, really low. So just some advice out there. if you want to get a sense of these numbers, you're interested in inventory, housing sales, look at pre-pandemic numbers. That is probably going to be the best way for you to really compare what's going on in the largest sense. See where you what numbers in 2022 are versus 2019, that's going to tell you all the story you need to know all right kathy what's going on in california much different market different strategies going on what are you seeing
2: well just to add to what you just said uh, the march inventory was what 52 percent below 2019 levels so yeah it's still really low and that brings me to where we're at just a, a recent deal i was looking at as a passive investor uh looking to invest in somebody else's deal a syndication you know a lot of people are are doing that today and uh, you know, of course, the syndication business has been promoted all over the place. So, uh, I looked at this apartment in Arizona that uh, a pretty experienced operator was uh, he was looking to raise money for, and uh, you know, and he was classified as a B class neighborhood. Uh, but when we did our research, it was like not great, like it's rated three out of 10 schools. And the crime rates were really high. And based on everything we were seeing, it was more like a C minus D neighborhood. So I went back to the operator and was like, what, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And he's like, oh, no, no, not no. and It's definitely a B neighborhood. So um, I found that interesting that what I was finding was very different than what he was seeing. I, I would need to get out there and go see it for myself to verify. Uh, or again, you can you can call local realtors or uh, you know local property managers to find out what if you don't want to make the trip that's that's probably what I'll do first Uh, but my point being I think in this kind of market when inventory is so low and it's getting harder and harder to find opportunity, sometimes people start to get a little soft on their underwriting and start to do things maybe they wouldn't have done a year ago or two years ago. And uh, investors might say, well, I did their past deal, so this next one I'm not even going to bother looking at or diving into it or doing the research. So just be careful as a passive investor. That doesn't mean you should be passive at the onset. Like, you still got to do your homework because it's your money. It's your money. When you read documents on a on a deal like that, a syndication, you know, you're especially if you're an accredited investor, all the risks will be stated in those offering documents that basically if the deal goes bad, too bad. You lost your money. You have no recourse. You're an accredited investor and should know better. So, you know, if you're not accredited, even more so you're building to to become one which is basically a million dollar net worth so you don't want to lose your money so just make sure that if you're if you're investing in anybody else's deal that you still go through the process to make sure it makes sense and that the underwriting is solid another thing about this that i i, I walked away from is that it's um again a bridge loan this is this is a rough time to be in short-term lending because we don't know where the market's going and it's hard to underwrite when you don't know what interest rates are going to be in this changing environment i don't personally think they're going to change that much more or go up that much more but you just don't know
0: yeah it's a great point it's not really the right time to be fudging your underwriting you know (laughs) we it seems like we've been in this period where for the last few years like everything's going up you know if people fudged a little bit it was probably masked By this rampant Mm -hmm. appreciation that we've seen but from what we're hearing so far and some of the things i've been seeing personally it seems like the market is in a transitionary phase and that is not when you want to get loose on your numbers that's when you want to buckle down and really make sure your numbers are airtight thank you for sharing james up in seattle doing a ton of deals all the time. What are you seeing?
4: I have definitely seen a slowdown in the velocity of money right now. It's, you know, when rates were so cheap, everybody was, you know, flinging offers. Like Kathy just kind of mentioned they are breaking rules because, I mean, they had the excuse, right? Like, I'll break my rules because money's so cheap. Now we're getting to a point where money's more expensive, pricing's expensive, and and, and people are just slowing down. Um, We're a very active brokerage up in the Pacific Northwest. We have, like right now, we have about 50 listings, Uh, All the listings are either renovated product or new built town, you know, new built construction. Um, What I have noticed is the amount of showings have dipped quite a bit to where we're seeing, we saw about an 85% drop in showing activity in the last two weeks on this last Fed rate hike, which is a pretty drastic drop in the amount of bodies out looking. And what that comes down to is, we're at this peak peak price of pricing where people are still paying that top dollar like what what Henry just said where you know we're performing deals and we're still listing them about 5 to 10% higher than we perform them at and now the cost of money has gone up so much to where people's payments are 30 32% higher than what it was 4 to 6 months ago that is just slowing people down we are still selling everything within the 2 week factor though it's and we're selling it Either at list or within five percent of list, and again, our performa numbers. I mean, our list price on average right now is about fifteen to twenty percent over performa, and so things are still moving quickly. We have seen inventory increase slightly, but again, like what you said, don't is like those data stats and facts that are not good. There, you know, it's just it's it's a you got to watch out for the data traps. Like, hey, inventory increased twenty percent, but you know what? We're still at like two and a half to three weeks of inventory in the market. We need appreciate for us to start depreciating and things to pull back, we have to be at over five months of, of uh, supply in the market. So we have a long ways to go, but what I do see is we're getting a little bit of a snapback off peak pricing. Not actual value, but the peak-peak pricing, I'm seeing about a five percent hit off that, um, and and we we're not seeing as many multiple offers, and that kind of speaks to the thirty percent increase in mortgage costs because on average we were selling properties ten to twenty percent above list when the money was cheap, and now we're selling them five percent below. That's about a twenty-five percent difference, which is about the same as the mortgage rates on on the cost of of what you have to pay on your monthly payment. So just really don't, don't fall into the weird data traps. Like just pay attention to what's actually going on. Most of what I'm doing right now is I just call brokers and figure out what their activity is. What's your activity? How many bodies are coming through? And if you're putting out good product, it still sells. We listed one yesterday at 1.9 and we've already had three requests for pre-inspections this morning. So it's Things are still moving if you're putting out the good product. The junk is sitting, though. Don't put out junk or, you know, that, that's where you're going to you're going to have to wait for that buyer.
0: Yeah, one of the things I've noticed, James, is I, I was looking for some small multifamily properties in a few different markets. And it seems like people who are putting those on the market are continuing to hope that people are acting out of emotion and are still just willing to accept these really high price, ridiculous offers. But if it's a small multifamily, it's going to be an investor that is buying that. And with higher rates at 6% or, or you know, even higher than that for a real estate investor, it seems like the being able to underwrite the deals at the prices that they were at even a month or two ago seems unrealistic. So do you think there's gonna be a slide back in, in prices anytime soon? That junk that's come, at least for the junk that's coming on the market, or do you think that? Things are just going to flatten out right now.
4: I think there's going to be a transitionary period because right now we have rents are still increasing. I do think rents are going to keep going up and, and the value of multifamily is based on the income. And so like right now I have a triplex listed. It's on the top end of the market. It's in a great neighborhood. We're getting very steady showings on it as far as or interest in, in the building. And all of a sudden, you know, every week that goes by though, or every month that goes by, we're getting more income on that building. I just raised rents 25% on that middle unit. And so now the list price actually looks better than what it would if it was $100,000 cheaper. And so it, it's just, but you always have to watch for that transition snapback period because things have to settle down. Rates are, I think they're like six and a half to six and three quarters right now on that product. And the mortgage brokers are also telling me that that's going to settle down a little bit. The banks just kind of got to jump on it. So I do think you're going to see more opportunity. You're going to have more time to actually evaluate these assets correctly and write your offer accordingly, but things are still going to move around at this point. If you're in a market where the rents are at the top end. Yes, I think there's going to be a slide back. I mean, it's going to go down with the with the rates, right? Cash flow needs to be at a certain percentage. But if you have upside in your rent market, it's I think it's going to balance out with the rates over time over the next 12 months to where you could still buy with the higher rate, but the income's up and it's going to balance out.
0: All right, great. Thank you all for your local headlines. We're going to get all into the housing market, both on a national level and talk a lot more about what we think is going to happen over the next couple of months. But first, we have to take a break, and then we're going to talk all about the economy in general and whether or not we are heading for a recession. We'll be right back after this. (laughs) All right, for our due diligence section today, we are going to be talking about headlines. Normally, we do this at the top of the show, but since this is a market recap, market update show, let's dig deep into everything that is going on in the economy right now. I want to start first a little bit away from real estate. We're going to get back to the housing market, we're going to get back to real estate investing, but I think it's helpful to understand the full context of the US economy right now. So, Kathy, can you tell me one or two things that you've been looking at over the last month that you think best demonstrate the state of the U.S. economy?
2: Well, you know, we just have had a shock, a shock to the market, something that none of us have ever experienced before, such massive declines in and unempl- in, um, or increase in unemployment to what, 22 million people out of work overnight to then, you know, four months later, the recovery, it it was fast and furious all the data lines are out of whack so it's it's been turbulent shall we say like when you go out surfing and in there you're in the middle of the tidal shifts from in the inflow to the outflow it's a little bumpy out there it's not the best time to be to be surfing because it's you know there's a lot going on and that's that's where we are uh, so a lot of the headlines are comparing now to crazy and and unusual so you know I, I do believe we're going to settle down and get back to normal, and that's that's great. So um, that's what I'm watching. Everybody's watching for a, a recession, and most people are terif- just terrified of that idea, um, for good reason, right? The the last one, last couple of them were were pretty intense, uh, but but we have a very different situation today where there's 11 million job openings, <laughs> right? So <laughs> like it's robust out there. Uh, there's, it would take a lot to to fall into recession. And with that said, there are going to be sectors more affected than others, right? The the ways that we had to operate over the last two years bubbled up certain companies, right? That That maybe now as things go back to normal, they're going to have to lay people off. I'll give you one example, the mortgage industry. As rates go up, I mean, think about it, when rates were low, a mortgage broker companies could not hire fast enough to keep up with demand. Now interest rates are up. Who wants to refi, right? I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm sure if you've got a lot of cash to take out, you might you might still take the higher rate. But mortgage companies are laying people off. So anything that um, bubbled up as a result of the pandemic may be coming down. Um, and, and that's what we need to, to be paying attention to, uh, which companies are those. But real estate, um, you know, we didn't oversupply the market with real estate, <laughs> you know, so that's not where we are. We don't have an oversupply of property. Uh, if anything, we're, we're underdeveloped. It's been hard to get new new properties up and, you know, to get new home sales up. Trust me, it's hard. We we can't even get the garage doors we need or the washers and the dryers and the refrigerators to to close, you know, to get these properties on the market. So it's, it's just, it just depends again on what what bubbled up, and I would say in having to hire and having to, uh, you know, um, deal with pandemic related issues, and now as things settle down, they have to lay people off.
0: Thank you, and just to put some numbers behind some of the things that Kathy was saying, uh, I follow Housing Wire. I think you do as well, Kathy. But you see, almost once a week now, major mortgage companies laying people off. Um, that's likely going to continue as refi activity and probably purchase activity also declines over the next couple of years. You mentioned that there are 11 million job openings, which is enormous and is roughly two jobs for every person looking for a job in the United States right now. And before, Henry, I'm going to pass it to you because I do want to understand if you think there's a recession coming, but just want to define quickly before we do that what a recession even is. And the recession, the definition is two consecutive quarters of GDP dropping. And so there are all sorts of flavors of recession that are possible. As Kathy said, the Great Recession was the worst financial situation since the Great Depression. That took months for things to recover, all sorts of housing Uh, areas of the economy were affected. Technically, in March 2020, we were also in a recession, but a lot of people didn't even notice because there was so much other stuff going on. So just want to define what we're talking about here. But Henry, I'm curious, do you think we are heading for a recession? Because a lot of major news outlets, a lot of data analysts are saying red flags, warning signs are flashing. How do you read the situation?
3: So will there be a recession by the definition you just held? Maybe, probably, right? But um, in most people's eyes, right, they see when, when people think recession, they think things falling or dropping out of the sky and uh getting well below um what's necessary or needed, right? And do I think we're gonna get there? I don't think so, man. I think we are going to recess back to some things closer to normal, right? We talked about it a little bit when we were talking in the last segment about the housing market. Um but we've had super inflated numbers in almost all commodities, right, especially in real estate. And so for things to recess, yeah, they might recess back to normal level, or even slightly above normal. But because we've been we got accustomed to such inflated Housing prices, or we got accustomed to such low interest rates. As interest rates are up now to like five and five and a half, six percent. If you're an investor, it's a little higher. Like that's still really low. And, and and so to think about, yeah, yeah, it's it's different. It's worse than it was. But what was was amazing. So like coming down a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's healthy. It's what it's it's what's needed, right? Um, and so are we going to go into like a similar to the Great Recession? I don't I don't think things are going to get that bad, um, but I do think we're going to see things start to shift. I think inflation is, is the scariest thing that's out there right now because people don't know. Um, There's a certain subset of people who don't know how they're going to be able to afford basic needs. Right. As those prices keep rising. But income, the income that they have isn't increasing. And so you may have to start seeing some of these people shifting out of the jobs that they have into newer jobs, hoping that they can get higher paying jobs because with so many openings, employers are willing to pay more to bring people in. And so you might have to see some of the people who need to make more money shifting jobs just to do so, hoping to get some of those higher paying. But I think I read something this morning about, um, the Fed encouraging companies to stop hiring, right, because they're willing to pay so much more. And that helps drive inflation up as well. So who knows what you're going to see. But I think if people want money, there's money out there, it just might require you to get a little uncomfortable, make a change, maybe take on a second job. But people are employers are willing to pay more because we need employees to drive these companies and the companies drive the economy
0: What, so I should explain some of the, the red flags and recession indicators that have been flashing. One of them is the yield curve, if you guys have heard of that, that basically forecasts investors, bond investors sentiment about the economy. And although it briefly inverted for a couple of days, it is not fully inverted, which is what the real indicator is. If you are following what the yield curve does, it does have to invert for quite a while for it to be an indicator of a recession. And even when that happens, it usually takes about 18 to 24 months after the inversion for a recession to hit. There's another really good recession predictor that is called the leading economic indicators or the leading economic index that tracks 10 different leading economic indicators. And when that starts to fall, usually four to six months after that, we start to see a recession. But both of those very reliable predictors of recessions are not currently pointing to a recession, just so everyone knows where we are as of this recording, early May, 2022. One of the other recession indicators that I have seen is about durable goods, consumer spending, specifically around tech companies. So all of these tech companies are getting hammered. I'm sure you guys, you guys have seen this, right? I mean, the NASDAQ right now is down 28% um, since the beginning of the year, which is wild. So a lot of people, unfortunately, are losing money there. But the, the idea is that if these companies like Amazon and Facebook, who drive a lot of econ- economic activity, are getting hammered, they're going to slow down their hiring. So James, I mean, you are in one of the biggest tech-centric markets in the country in Seattle. You know, Amazon is there. Facebook has a big presence there. Are you worried at all that these big, giant companies that have been such an economic powerhouse for, for your area are going to slow down and it can have an impact on on Seattle and, and maybe the country in general.
4: You know, we I'm not too concerned about Seattle in its local market and what the big tech businesses are doing because they have spent so much money buying buildings, expanding and putting this, you know, Microsoft right now has a campus that they're going to be building out for the next 10 to 15 years in the expansion. It, um, Facebook just bought one of the biggest buildings in downtown Bellevue. Everybody's, Google's expanding through. These are plans that are already put in play and they cannot be slowed down at that point. So the jobs are coming here no matter what. Um, in addition to, in our local market, we don't have income tax. And that get like when there is times of liquidity issues, inflation's eating things up, money's costing a little bit more, the more income that people can keep is gonna make that, that market even more attractive. And so I'm not overly worried about the tech companies over the next five to 10 year uh, period. Now in the next 60 or not six, six months or so, I, I could see, I'm a little bit concerned because a lot of it is more about a mindset thing than anything else because the stock like Amazon stock got pounded the last two weeks. It is still 35% above where it was at in 2018 before the pandemic. And so those are things that I'm tracking on, on things that I'm investing in, things that I'm looking at, where do I think the market's gonna go, is where was that 2008? Because when we were going into the pandemic, or right before the pandemic, the economy wasn't doing, I mean, it was doing well, but it was starting to flatten out. Housing wasn't spiking, stocks weren't spiking, it was just kinda going into a very steady, slow growth period. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit, they infused all this money, and it hockey sticked up at that point. Um, but yeah, the, for the tech stocks, we're we're not too in the short term. There's always that overcorrection, like, hey, we're losing all this money. My my stocks are going down. They're just being decompressed a little bit. But I don't think on the long term it, it's really going to factor in with the no income tax and then the the plans that are already in place.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. You're seeing these investments that are are long term and are probably you know, created and thought of well on on a time horizon that doesn't really even matter to, to what's going on right now. Like there's a five year, 10 year investment thesis by Microsoft or whomever that is, is really can't be slowed down and is probably going to keep money coming in. One thing that you've talked a lot about James that I want to talk about, um, is construction costs. You actually put out a great video on the, on the market YouTube channel that people should definitely check out about, um, how to hedge against uh, inflation and increasing construction costs. Uh, The CPI came out yesterday, it was at 8.3%, which is down 0.1% year over year from March. But just so people understand, that just means year over year, it's down prices still actually rose from March to April 0.3%. So prices are still going up, the growth rate is slowing down a little bit. But they're, you know, I'm a little hopeful, right? Like, you know, that's a, I'll take some nuggets of good news where, where I could get it. Are you seeing anything, James? Are you seeing anything reflected in your, in your building costs or materials that, that indicate that inflation might at least be peaking? I don't think we're flattening out, but maybe we're, that the crazy runaway price increases are starting to slow down?
4: I still think we have a good six months that creep in the market because uh, we're still in this weird balance period where we don't have enough labor, and then there's also things are costing more and, and the lack of labor lack of resources is driving pricing up dramatically fast i mean we're not talking about 8% in the construction world if your tile guy adds 20% to his bid that's just what he's going to add to your bid so so we're seeing these jumps on the labor short uh, you know with the lack of people out there in the in the, the labor shortage and then the cost of goods are still going up it's you know we still are having issues getting access to materials we things are taking longer still and and we're still 25 25- percent above where we were a year ago on construction costs and so when these reports about inflation come out i reference them but i i don't ever think they're correct on for what i pay in my daily you know it may be correct for a lot of different consumers but for me as a consumer i buy a lot of flooring i buy a lot of wood i buy a lot of everything to, to build these homes and those things are those things are still expensive they have not came down that much um, I think that it's gonna get a little bit worse with this, you know, Ukraine, you know, with the conflict overseas, we're gonna see a little bit more shortage of materials and it's gonna cause things to, to spike a little bit more. In addition to the cost of energy, which is gonna to continue to go up, that is go that is coming down to our bottom line as well and gonna drive pricing higher. Our contractors are charging us more if they have to drive a long ways. Suppliers delivery is starting to cost us more if we want things dropped off. And so anytime your core You know, stuff that you need to drive your economy, like energy goes up, the rest of it's going to keep going. So I do think in the construction world, we still have another 10, 20% in increases over the next uh, up until the end of the year, unfortunately.
0: Kathy, you mentioned something similar at the top of the show that you were having, still having a hard time finding appliances. Are you still seeing the same type of inflation impacting your business? And what do you Doing about it?
2: Yes, and yes, and uh, it's just taking longer. It's just taking longer to get these homes finished, and then uh, the buyers who have been in contract for a year, waiting for the house to be finished, are suddenly finding that uh, they they don't qualify anymore. So the, these are definitely tough times for builders and um, new home builders. Are usually affected first by rising interest rates. So you know we're affected, and um, fortunately we we're building in markets that are in high demand. There, there's a lot of not a lot of inventory. Like I've said, we we have a development in Park City where we're still very much under the price per square foot of anything else in Park City. So it's it's one of those markets where it's really hard to get anything built anytime, anyway. <laughs> so um, so we still have demand. There's people who can can put $3 million, you know, cash, and they don't need a loan. You know, that's the, that kind of market. Uh, but but in general, uh, new home builders will feel it first. And uh, we're definitely going to feel it. It's, it's You know, people thought they were going to be locked into low interest rates, and that's how they got into contract to begin with. We're going to be flexible, obviously, and let them walk if they can't can't qualify, because we know that we will find a buyer who can. But there might be some people who are stuck in contracts they can't get out of, and they can't qualify for the new loan.
0: One thing I've really wanted to ask you specifically, Kathy, for the last few weeks is, do you think that construction rates are going to go down right now. Because what we're seeing in the data is that for the last couple of years, the number of construction permits pulled, the number of construction starts has started to go up, but completions have flatlined, like people just can't complete them. And so on one hand, the housing market, we all know, is shortage of supply, long-term housing units shortage. So we need more we need more housing inventory, but in a rising interest rate environment, especially with increasing construction costs and inflation, is it an attractive time to build or, or, cause you know, for a while, Builders have been able to pass along the increased costs to consumers, but now with inflation rising, interest rates. I'm just wondering how you're thinking about this.
3: We're
2: not rushing to do more, const- you know, new home construction. Uh, I, I do think it's risky. You know, it's always risky. It's always risky. You know, when we were buying land, it we started in 2010, so not as risky then because we were getting land for 10 cents on the dollar. You know, we bought 4,200 lots outside of Tampa. For sixteen million dollars, that it had been a hundred and sixty million uh, just a year before in escrow. So Can I get one of those? You know, you're, you're probably <laughs> going to do okay on that, right? Um, but today, that's not the case. That's not the case. It's hard to get anything cheap. So to be able to have to pay top price for land, and then you know increased construction, well, labor you can't even find the labor, uh, increased material costs. It's you better. Have thought it out, you know. the The national builders are a little better off because they're well capitalized and maybe they've got they've got warehouses where they've got supplies and materials, and so it might be easier for national builders. But for the little guys like us, it's definitely getting more challenging. And I can tell you, we're not personally rushing in to do more, <laughs> not right now.
4: One thing I wanted to point out was we we sell two hundred and fifty to three hundred sites a year to builders. Uh, you know, we sell to investors and builders. And in the last two weeks, builders have dropped their pricing 30% on lots and adjusted their terms by twice the closing time frame. They are no longer – and what that comes down to, though, is they were breaking all their own rules the last 24 months. They were closing quick. They were sitting on lots with leverage, and they were pressing the exit prices. And then they're, they're doing this little pullback right now. But the thing is, we're educating sellers to where they need to get a deal done now because the builders are going to adjust with the rates. I think we're only going to see a short-term blip in the market for purchases on the the lots. But eventually, the market value of the lot is the market value of the lot. And that's only what a builder will pay. And so we have to wait for sellers to kind of get adjusted to the new pricing. Builders are going to get back to their sweet spot. And then transactions will still move forward. So I do think building isn't going to slow down there's going to be a little blip in the market. And then that's also going to add to the housing crisis because there's, there's there's not enough inventory coming out. So you still may see the good exit prices, but I do think that the days of over getting overpaid for your lot are over like they're going to be fair numbers based on what the build-out percentage is and then the offer will be structured accordingly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I mentioned it before. I was really happy that we were bringing in affordable housing in some of these markets and, in Reno and Carson City and Bozeman, Montana. We, we were so happy to be Providing homes for around three to four hundred thousand dollars. We we can't do it now. We've had to reprice everything. And in Bozeman, I, th- I think I mentioned it's double now. We're we're up to you know double what we were expecting to to uh, sell these for, and our profits have gone down. So it's not like we're just capitalizing, you know, just like raising prices because we want to. We have to. The everything costs so much more and. And significantly more <laughs> significant. Not like there was no way to forecast this three or four years ago when we bought the land. But you know, that's, that's, that's somewhat normal for for home builders, because you're buying land, it can take years to get the entitlements, then you know, years to get it up and running, and you don't know where the market's going to be. So it's usually a riskier investment anyway. And I, of course, knew that going into it. And our investors knew that going into it, you just hope that it's the market's good. And for us, it really was the last few years to, to be able to be a seller was where you wanted to be. Uh, now, now the market's changing. So it's a little, you know, it, it'll be interesting moving forward. But Again, like you said, supply is what's needed. We need affordable housing. We, we How do you build affordable housing? How, I don't know how anymore.
3: I don't know. It's your definition of affordable.
0: That is, um, you know, unfortunate. Obviously, on the affordable housing front, it would be great if the country saw more affordable housing coming in. And for anyone who's listening to this and trying to forecast for themselves what might happen, what are the key levers in the housing market is this low supply, low inventory. And although demand is likely to drop, and we are starting to see some indicators as demand is starting to drop because of higher interest rates. If demand goes down, but inventory and supply stay super low, it's not going to have the impact of prices either flattening or going negative. And when you see like, okay, so how does supply go up? There's only really Two or three ways, or how does inventory go up? There's only two or three ways that can happen. One is construction. It sounds like that's not really going to keep going at the same rate that it is. Go- uh, that it is. The other is foreclosures. I don't know if any of you guys listened to the... Interview I did uh, with Darren Blomquist on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Show, but there's just no chance of a foreclosure crisis happening right now. For anyone who is predicting that, that's just not happening. And then third is just new listings, and no one wants to list their home right now. Have you guys heard of the, the lock in effect that's going on? No. It's basically. Yes. Yeah, so the lock-in effect is basically this idea that no one wants to sell their home because 90% 90 of homeowners have an interest rate under 5% right now. No one wants to sell their home go into a high-priced market and pay more interest. So it's something to think (laughs) about when you're trying to figure out what's going to happen with the housing market. And again, none of us really know. We make educated estimations of what's going to happen. But somehow, if prices are going to moderate or go down, we need more inventory. And all three of those... Henry, I'm curious what you think. All three of those, to me, don't look very likely to be moving in the right direction.
3: No, I, I agree. No, I think prices are going to continue to rise, especially with everything James and Kathy just talked about, right? Like supplies cost more, which means the housing prices have to increase. Heck, for some builders even to break even, they're not even, they're not even looking like to make a ton of money here, right? And so the price has to increase. And then guess what? People are paying it and so if people paying are paying it then we're saying that that's what we think the housing market is worth right and so the price continues to go up it's 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 this you know circle of of circumstances that are happening that are that are causing these that the housing market to go up and 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 that's the only way right now of those three situations I think building is the only way you're truly going to get more inventory and so yeah I think people are going to continue to build you're right James I think these builders are starting to to realize that they can't pay what they were once paying because now they're trying to buy land for cheaper right and then build For whatever they can build for, and then price it at the highest price point that they can in order to make a little bit of money. And so, is building as attractive as it was, uh, you know, two, three, four, five years ago? No, absolutely not. But people are still going to build, and and for the for the normal like little guy, Kathy called herself little, and I'm teeny tiny in in comparison to (laughs) building because when I'm only building when I get land super cheaper free, right? And so when I'm, when I'm buying property that either has extra land or land that I can subdivide or, um, uh, houses on it that are getting torn down, right. When I'm basically getting the land free, that's where I'm looking to build. And, but I'm not looking to build and sell. I'm looking to build and hold, right. Because the numbers just don't make sense. Um, when you compare the, the long-term wealth I can generate from the building versus, uh, the, not so great profits I might get if I sell it. So, um, from the super little guy who's looking to do one off, like maybe I should build something new instead of going and buying something existing as a rental. I I think you need to look long and hard at, at buying something existing. And so the other, um, the other factor you didn't talk about when you talked about, um, increasing inventory is infill. And I think cities are getting really, really more comfortable with the idea of infill. And so that could mean um, allowing uh, allowances for ADUs and being a little more creative on adding units to existing properties or um, allowing you to to split lots they normally wouldn't split or to modify setbacks so you can have more space to build. I think cities are starting to understand that, like, we've got to do something to increase uh, the the number of houses that we can provide to people, and so you're going to start to see a little more creativity with infill, I think, um, uh, in in certain in certain markets for sure, and I think it's starting to trickle and spread to, to markets that maybe weren't so open to it before, and so that's another way you can potentially get more housing.
0: That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. That uh, you know, I think in Washington, James, the the governor said came out and said that they're going to allow upzoning in all of the major cities. So that is a really good point, but. Kathy, did you want to add something?
2: I just wanted to say I loved what Henry said about getting. You know, I'll build if, if the land's free. And at first, <laughs> I laughed, and then I, I thought, you know, it, it. We did that. You know, we bought land in Reno for I don't know, thirteen million dollars, or it was twelve and a half million dollars. Uh, got the entitlements, which really increases the value of the land. Sold half the lots for what we paid, and we were sitting on the rest of the lots at a zero basis. So it is possible to to still do stuff like that. And that's how you can make the numbers work.
0: That is definitely creative. Henry, I wanna get some back to something you mentioned at the top of the show where you're saying that, you know, you're getting less offers, less, we're hearing about less foot traffic on the sell side, but does that leading to more opportunities
3: and less competition on the buy side? Uh, so speaking for myself, I, I haven't seen much difference in my ability to purchase property. Um, mainly because we've talked about it a little bit before when you're buying off market, you're typically buying a situation and market conditions don't always indicate like everybody's got a situation, no matter if the market's hot or the market's cold. Right. And so um, we have, I haven't seen a slowdown in my ability to, to, to purchase property. Now, traditional buyers, yeah, obviously it's more difficult, right? Cause there's less houses out there. Um, but when you're, when you're buying off market, um, man, now we've been, uh, we haven't had a problem buying, uh, when inventory was low, we weren't having a problem buying when inventory was higher. Um, now obviously what I've been willing to pay has increased because the exit prices have increased. Um, and so, you know, I was talking with my business partner last week and I remember we would go look at houses a couple of years ago and not buy them because they didn't hit our criteria. You know, if somebody wanted five grand over what we were willing to pay. We were saying no. And Boy, I wish I'd have bought all those. Right. So, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, 20. Right. I, we, we made the best decision we could knowing what we knew then. And I wouldn't tell anybody, don't change your numbers now, especially now. There's so much uncertainty in the market. Um but yeah, no, we haven't had a problem buying and, and I wish I would have bought everything I made offers on prior to 2022. Yeah, don't we all? Yeah. I feel like that's the, the story of
0: like the <laughs> yeah. last like seven years of my life. It's right. like you you read the numbers and you're it was like too tight and you're like, hey, just take them all. Right. Just yeah, take yeah. them all. Yeah. James, curious, what do you think? I know you've said that you think opportunities might be coming um you know because of some of this u- uncertainty where do you see opportunities uh, and when do you think they'll they'll be coming around for people who are looking to jump into the market
4: yeah i think the opportunities are going to be more available once the market right now i mean we have to remember that these rate hikes are pretty recent you know we i mean the impact of money has only really been hitting us for four to six weeks and that takes time to work itself through the market slow things down and then reset sellers expectations And because as investors, we can only buy the now. What Henry said is correct. You don't make up your, you buy in the now. So whatever market conditions you are, you have to adjust your numbers accordingly. And so for us in the last, when when money was extremely cheap and in the low 3s we knew things were going to kind of appreciate up so we would buy in a slimmer margin we wouldn't factor appreciation in our deals but we would buy on thinner margins now with all the risk in there we have to go back to our 2018 17 metrics of where we have a certain expectation on our cash on cash return. If it doesn't hit that, we move on. Part of doing that is just educating sellers. And re- and that part of the education process makes a slowdown for three to four months because people have to realize it. And they also have to get that same FOMO that we're just talking about right now. Like investors have FOMO that, hey, we didn't keep every house in t- from 2018. Sellers are also starting to get FOMO of I might not sell my house at the right time and I'm going to lose a bunch of money. And I have noticed that has been happening in the very, I would expect this to take four to five months, but we're getting sellers reaching around that we've been talking to for five, six months that are asking to get in contract now because they want to lock in that deal. They're getting, they're feeling uncertain. And it's honestly, it's the right move for them too. It's, you are locking in your deal now if you get you know on a builder we're trying to close these on a long basis and we're educating them that we need the long basis because we don't know what's going to happen with money we need to reduce our costs and if they give us the right terms we can lock in a deal now and give them non-refundable earnest money and they have a deal set in stone if they wait we're just educating that they need if they're going to wait that our offer is going to go with the interest rates so if they go up another half point our offer could come down a half point. And and the logic has to be worked into the market because there has been none for the last 18 months and people have to kind of reset themselves, look at buying. But I I think it's going to be a little bit of a gap in deal flow um, until people kind of realize that's why we've been buying more deals on market than off market, because the wholesalers and the sellers haven't realized on the off market, but the on they're getting hit with what the market will actually pay. Yeah, you know, as inflation rips, construction costs are higher. People don't want to buy these fixer properties either. They got to get a more expensive loan, pay elevated construction costs with kind of a, you know, a mindset that it could be a little bit risky. And so those those type of properties aren't transacting well on, on the market. And so we've been buying a lot more on market. And as those data points hit the market, we can actually show off market sellers that we're paying them actual market value. And so you got to kind of wait, you got to work through the cycle for a good, I think we have another four to eight weeks before we really get the data points and then you can educate people and then it's going to kind of reset what people's expectations are.
0: I'm sure there are people listening to this right now who are... Shocked and so excited that you said that there are on market deals right, yeah, right now that people <laughs> can be
4: buying. I, you know, I've been buying on market deals for the last, there's great buys on market. You just got to look at them a little bit different.
0: Flips or, or buy and hold or what kind of deals?
4: We buy 50 55% of our flips on market. Uh, burr style properties. We, you know, it, it comes, it also depends on your market. We're in a very heavy value add market. So you, a lot of the deals that do go down on market, you have to know how to do construction, put the right plan in place and to mitigate risks. And so it's, it, they're a little bit more complex. And that's why we're able to buy more on market.
0: All right. This has been great advice from all of you, as always. Before, we, But we do have to move on to our next section. But before we do, Kathy, give us the parting words here. What opportunities do you see in the market over the next couple of months that everyone listening to this should be paying attention to?
2: Ooh, pressure's on. You know, (laughs) it sounds so boring, but we're just doing what we've been doing for (laughs) 20 years: buying in the markets that are still somewhat affordable, comparatively speaking. I like to stay under the national, the average home price nationally, and I like to stay in the median price of the area. um, That if it's a growing area, so that gives me, and I'm talking buy and hold. um, That that gives a big renter pool of people who can afford the rents and again especially in areas that are growing that would be the southeast I i kind of said i don't know how to build affordable housing but we're still buying brand new homes there for under three hundred thousand dollars in a, in an area where that's pretty affordable for people coming from the northeast so people are leaving the northeast going to this you know the southeast and it's cheap so that's we're just it's the same thing we've been doing for a long time it's not exciting it's not the forced appreciation that Jamil was talking about it's we're not fixing things i'm not going to go fix something out of state i don't have that ability we're just buying homes in the path of progress renting them out forgetting about them having a property manager watch them and and watching the values grow and enjoying a little bit of cash flow not a lot but knowing these are long-term investments That's what we're doing. Simple.
0: This is why we always come to you, Kathy, for the relaxing (laughs) advice. It's just like,
2: (laughs) I just buy stuff and then I don't do anything
0: and then I'm just (laughs) relaxing and it's all lovely. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) Thank you again for your advice. We'll be right back after this for The Crowdsource. For our crowdsource section today, we have two calls to action for you. The first we are going to ask for a shameless help from all of you. If you appreciate all of the advice that Kathy and James and Henry have given today, please give us a five-star review either on Spotify or Apple. It is a huge help to us as we are trying to grow our community, our source, and give all this amazing information to you each and every week. The second thing is to join the bigger pockets on the market Forums. We talked about this the other day. We now have forums where you can interact with all of us, interact with each other, share data, share information about what's going on in the market. And specifically, we have launched a on the market consumer or excuse me, on the market investor sentiment survey. So I don't. none of you all know this yet, but what we're going to be doing is periodically checking in with our audience to get their feelings about the market. I know how you guys feel about the market, <laughs> but want to know, do you think it's a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? How much you think rent's going up over the next couple of uh, months or next couple of years and we're going to aggregate all this data I'm going to analyze it and I will share it periodically so everyone here can keep track of what's going on with our
3: audience that's super cool
2: awesome
4: uh, I, I mean that's actually really good information for us right we're, we're, we're gonna get to know what the the demand from investors is
0: well right so there's all this sentiment about home buyers the the, the idea came from that there's home buyer sentiment there's consumer sentiment that are really good indicators of what's going to happen in the economy. But why not real estate investor sentiment? I haven't seen anything that is at the level of someone like me who owns a handful of properties. Um, You know, we see builder sentiment, we see, you know, institutional sentiment. So we want to get a sense of what regular real estate investors, people who are pursuing financial freedom are thinking about the real estate market. You can also share any feedback you have for us in these surveys about what you'd like to hear and what you think we could do better. So please, if you appreciate all this information, just leave us a five-star review, go fill out the survey. It's going to be a lot of fun and we'll get to share some uh, thoughts and comments from all of you on one of our next shows. Thank you all so much, James, Kathy, Henry. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Can't wait to have you back sometime real soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode of On the Market. On the Market is created by Dave Meyer and Kalen Bennett, produced by Kalen Bennett, edited by Joel Esparza, copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Special thanks to Lisa Scheuer, Eric Nutson. Danielle Daly and Nathan Winston. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential,
4: or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.